This is Casper Van Dien. You're listening to Cinema Geekly. You know what to do. Kill them all. Coming to you in hypersonic ultra maximum high definition from the depths of the interwebs and straight into your ear holes. It's the Cinema Geekly Podcast. Cinema Geekly Podcast, episode 188, brought to you by the good people over at Fandango, cinemageekly.com slash Fandango. Head on over there to pick yourself up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life. That's cinemageekly.com slash Fandango, or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. It's Anthony Lewis and Glenn Bovey, and we are finally back uh, after the the collapse of the summer movie blockbusters. Uh, we're, we're back to talk a few movies, and none of these, I think, are... Well, I don't know. I saw Hobbs and Shaw. Did you see that? I did not watch Hobbs and Shaw. Okay, so I think that qualifies as a summer blockbuster. But outside of that, all of the recent movies that you've watched, I don't think fall into that uh, qualification. Does I mean, qualify Hustlers into it? is a hit. Hustlers was a hit. Yeah. Um, Crawl definitely seemed like it made its money. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Oh, well... I will uh, I will talk about Hobbs and Shaw at some point because it is a fairly recent release, um, and you've got way more recent movies to talk about. So, real quick, I just want to. Oh, and by the way, we're not going to really talk about any news because it's been a while, and the the most interesting recent piece of news was the Sony Marvel Spider Man breakup, I think, and that was weeks ago. So we're not going to really talk about that. Uh, except I'm, well, that is except to say that they should get their shit together and get these Tom Holland movies and the MCU back rolling because nobody's going to go watch a Sony Spider-Man movie that isn't involving the MCU at this point. So don't try to make it happen, Sony. Just work together with Marvel. Uh, give them a bunch of money. I know you don't want to do it, and I know Disney already owns every fucking thing, but just you'd give up at this point. They've won, okay? Let's just admit that they've won. And give us our Spider-Man back. Thank you. Uh, so other than that, I've got, I, I caught up on some movies that were kind of like in my backlog. Some stuff that came out earlier in the year. I'm not going to give run down and give like full reviews of all of these. But uh, I saw Vincent D'Onofrio's The Kid. I don't know if you knew this, Glenn, but Vincent D'Onofrio directed a movie. He did with uh, Chris Pratt and uh, the Dandy Han. And uh, uh, I can't remember the other one that's in it. Oh, well. Uh, Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Yeah, yeah, Dane DeHaan playing Billy the Kid. Uh, Chris Pratt playing way against type uh, in this movie. He's like a violent... He's the bad guy, right? Yeah, he's like a violent, drunk, rapey asshole, which is not the not what I expected to see Chris Pratt doing. He And he pulled it off. He was actually pretty creepy in this movie. Uh, I don't see a lot of westerns. Uh, I know people, uh, a lot of, I read a lot of reviews from people who do watch a lot of Westerns. They thought this didn't really add a whole lot to the Billy the Kid mythos or the pantheon of Billy the Kid movies. Uh, so was it, it wasn't as good as Young Guns? Well, I mean, I've never even seen Young Guns. So. you never seen Young Guns? No. Uh, oh, I, I don't watch a lot of Westerns. Before this, the last Western I watched was probably True Grit. Like not the John Wayne True Grit, the uh, the Coen Brothers True Grit, I think was like the last western I watched. Um, that was like a true western, not like a space western or a, some other type of movie that was really like western based, like a like true, Logan. yeah, like a true actual western in the old west. Uh, oh, Wind River. Movie. You ever watch Wind River? Nope. Mm-mm. That's a pretty good movie. It's a western, but not really a western. 
I mean, if 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 the kid were to go off, like I gave it three and a half. I thought it was a good movie, and I thought the performances were really good. Uh, there's really nothing flashy or special in it, but just good performances, good story, uh, good set pieces. The movie looks like an old western. Uh, I mean, shot modern with modern equipment, but uh, nothing fancy about it. Just a bare bones western, and I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I watched uh, Captive State, which was like this uh, sci-fi uh, dystopia type of near future dystopian movie. Uh, it was. I give it a three. It felt kind of like an extended episode of like the twilight zone or the outer limits, uh, sort of like not a bad movie, but you know, like an, you're bored and it's on Netflix kind of movie. Uh, nothing to particularly go out of your way to see. Uh, I finally saw John wick chapter three parabellum. So that movie was great. Glenn, I don't remember what you gave it, but I recall you liking it. Yes. Yeah, I liked it. I uh, I like this a how'd lot. How would you like the horses being used as shotguns? It was pretty cool, huh? Horses as shotguns? There were... That's I, what I, Westerns need more of. Horses <laughs> being used yes. as shotguns. The action scene... There were so many tremendous fight sequences in that movie like that got like audible reactions out of me sitting on my couch. Like, oohs and ahs. Uh, just really crazy... I'm pretty sure they set a world record for most times a human was thrown through glass in this movie. Yeah. Because there's at least a couple of scenes where John Wick is thrown through like 90 panes of glass. And I don't even think that's an exaggeration. Uh, I give it four and a half. I like this movie. Uh, like, to me, it's uh, this one and the first one. Uh, I like the second one a lot, but uh, I was just really impressed with the third one. I loved it. And... They set up for a fourth one, so keep making them. Uh, and then, yeah, I think they have like five scripted out. I think is do that. The, yeah, well, by all means, keep making them. Uh, and then, uh, randomly, doesn't fit with any of the other movies I watched. Uh, rom com, long shot. Uh, that would be the Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron movie, which uh, is your typical Seth Rogen rom com. He's kind of a schlubby, lovey, uh, lovable idiot. And she's way out of his league. And of course she falls in love with him and it's, you know, dirty jokes and, you know, shit like that. Uh, I, that sounds very dismissive <laughs> of it. I actually give it three and a quarter. I, it, as rom-coms go, I thought it was pretty serviceable. Uh, it was funnier than I thought it was going to end up being. And uh, it featured very weirdly obscured songs from the early 90s. So it was a it was a partial win in my book. Uh, but yeah, that was all old stuff uh, that I that I spent time catching up on. Uh, Glenn, what's the the oldest of the movies uh, that you saw recently? Would that be Crawl? Uh, that would be Crawl. Okay, tell me about this alligator movie because the the trailers and stuff were kind of selling me on it, but I'm hoping that you're gonna you're gonna finish the sale here. All right, so <clears throat> best thing about the whole it basically it embraces what it is, and I didn't realize this at the time, but the guy who did this is the same guy who did uh, the Piranha 3D movie. Oh yeah, and I've heard. I've actually heard fun things about that movie too. Yeah, it's fun. It knows what it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jerry O'Connell basically plays the guy who created Girls Gone Wild, and he's addicted to cocaine. I mean, that's <laughs> like, that's does, one of your protagonists. He has. So. Does he have his own island? Uh, I, no, I don't think so. Okay. But, well, he's not that. He's not to that level yet. But I, I, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and uh, but with Crawl, it's just you know, it's a. It's a simple movie about hurricanes coming to town. Daughter can't get a hold of her uh, dad. She's a, a swimmer for the Florida Gators, of course. Ironically, yes. Yeah. Uh, her dad, you know, played by Barry Pepper. He's in the basement. She finds him. He's kind of bleeding out a little bit, unconscious. 
And then all of a sudden, a gator grabs her by the leg. She's able to break free. Dad wakes up. They're kind of in this little part where there's bars where the gators can't get in. And um, as the hurricanes are coming and the water is rising, you know, they got to figure out a way to get out of this basement. And then there's more and more gators that show up as the water raises because the town that they're at is right next to a gator farm. Of course. So, (laughs) So the gators have broken free. But single-handedly, the best thing about this movie... And I was worried because I'm like, well, it's just them two. How are they going to get this kill count up, you know? Yeah. And uh, they find some clever ways to get the kill count up. You know, you see the most Florida scene ever in a movie, which is these fucking rednecks are on a metal boat, and they're robbing... They're stealing the ATM from the local gas station to put it up on the boat, and... Mm -hmm. Of course, as they're doing this, that's when some gators get them. So you get some neat kills that way. Yeah. And then, you know, the cops who she knew show up to try and help her. And, okay, all right, you get some of these fuckers killed this way, too. Um, You know, and it's uh, it's great. You know, it's uh, you see a gator get a flare shoved in its eyeball and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. It was short, you know, it's not even an hour and a half long. So Whoa, I mean, it's okay. It's sweet and simple, gets right to the point. Um which is something I can say for uh most of these movies that I saw outside of the next one I'll probably talk about mm-hmm. is their run times were not two hour monstrosities or two plus hour. They were I think most of them were right at about an hour and a half. They told got their in, story. Got out. Yep. yep. They didn't have to linger. And uh, that was definitely a trend I, I want to see more of. <laughs> so where does uh, where does Crawl sit on the, the, the glasses scale? Oh, man. I saw this so long ago. It's It's hard to... I'd say like a solid three and a half. Like it was... Okay. It was good. Is this more like what you wish, like the Meg would have been? Or... Yeah, I wish so. Yeah, because the Meg, the problem is that, like it spends like forty-five minutes trying to science its way through it, where it's like, no, no, yeah. it's just, hey, we don't need that. Yeah, okay, hey, you know what? We're at the Mariana Trench. Uh, we think there could be an extra layer under it. We don't think that's the bottom. Oh, cool, we broke through. Holy shit, mm-hmm. there's big animals down here. Yeah. Let's escape. Oh, they followed us through this cooling vent. Boom. You need like, to do the Godzilla thing. Like, we set off nukes and it woke it up. It already existed. It was just under the water. We yeah. tested some nukes and it woke up, and now we can't unwake it up. Yeah. I mean, it was. Mag was just too long. But no, this was. This Perfect. is good. It was, you know, a much smaller scale. You know, yeah. they make alligators into dinosaurs. They actually do a shot from the original Jurassic Park. Yeah. Where the, where the T Rex is next to the car. And uh, ah. the girl is shining the flashlight, and they show yep. its teeth. They do the exact same thing with the alligators. That's awesome. Yeah, must have been a pretty big gator. Yeah, yeah there's a couple of big boys out there, but they were, uh, you know, they said like, oh, they're slow on land, which is untrue because they're like they can run like twenty plus miles an hour on land. Yeah, they're actually pretty quick. Uh, yeah, and they're like, oh, they don't hear so good. And it's like, no, they can hear well. That's why they hunt under the water. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they're actually very efficient killers. Yeah, there's a reason why they haven't had to evolve for a couple, you know, million years. Yes, and uh, and uh, they're like, oh, and their eyesight's bad too. They they can't see, and I think it's like they can't see in the dark too well, or something like that. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, I, don't, I mean, I'm sure they probably don't see as well, but I wouldn't say that. Yeah, they definitely kind of probably better than we do. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in real life, you got stuck in a basement with an alligator. I mean, I. Yeah, you probably just effed, but yep. <laughs> you know, it was it was cheesy. I mean, her dad yells at her at a time when she's got to try and make it to the boat, and there's like you know it's where all the gators are, and he's like, "You're an apex predator. You can outswim them." And you know, she outswims alligators, which obviously is <laughs> uh, <That's> laughable. It <laughs> would not happen. Yeah, yeah. So it was. Uh, I mean, she had a definite head start against them. Yeah, but yeah, I mean. No, it was, it was fun. Uh, so what's next? Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, the Quentin, Tar- Quentin Tarantino's last question mark film? Question mark. Yeah, we'll see. 
He's got that Star Trek movie he's still talking about. Yeah, he's still got that Star Trek movie. That would be so crazy if he ends on a Star Trek movie, but all right. Does like a franchise movie as his last one, yeah. 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 No, it was, uh, I mean, it's good. It's kind of like a classic movie, you know. Mm-hmm. The movie basically is Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, and if you like those those performers, hey, you're just going to hang out with them. I mean, there's like, like my favorite part of the movie is, well, not really favorite part, but the part where it's not just crazy blood and violence (laughs) as this movie ends in, uh, you know, it's like Brad Pitt driving around his car for 15 minutes, and it's like, you know what? I'm fine with this. I can hang out with Brad Pitt driving around in his car for 15 minutes. Especially a lot of dialogue. There's, like, not a lot of... Di- well, I mean, especially if the dialogue is, like, snappy Tarantino dialogue. Like. Well, no, I mean, that stretch, though, is, like, no talking. It's just him driving home. And then he goes home and feeds his dog. Yeah. Huh. And just to- and it's just a good stretch of the movie. And, uh, no, I mean, it's so- Tarantino, yeah. you know. Uh, it's weird. I don't know if it... It's probably not one of my favorite ones he's done, but man, it's I feel like this is going to be a damn good cable movie. Like looked back upon. No, I just mean like if it's on cable and you're like, "Oh, you know what? Hey, I'll watch the scene and then, you know, commercial break, I can head out." You know, that sure. kind of thing. Like this is it's it's broken down enough to where it's it's nice. Um Leonardo DiCaprio is really good in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think Brad Pitt's awesome in it. I mean, I know there's a big hoopla about how Margot Robbie isn't really, she doesn't talk a whole lot, but it's like, I mean, the movie's about her. I thought she was really good in it. Oh, because like, she's Sharon Tate, right? Yeah, yeah. The whole thing is like, you know, it's like the end of an era, you know, yeah. uh, and she is kind of, I mean, there again, like there's a part where, you just hang out with her, and she sees that she's on a po- you know, one of her movies is out, and she's like, "Oh, I want to go watch this movie." And you just kind of watch her watch herself in a movie in a movie theater, and then she mm-hmm. goes shopping. And she doesn't say a whole lot, but again, there's plenty of stretches like that where you just hang out with these characters. They don't say you just kind of see them do normal things in their life, and yeah. because you have a, a great director behind it, it is engaging. You know, he can tell as great as his his lyrics, as great as his dialogue is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he just knows how to make a script and he knows how to tell a story without always having to use words. Would you say this hits like in the top five for you? Oh, yeah. 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 I would um, probably my favorite is is probably Jackie Brown is my favorite. Then Jane Go. Yeah. and I've always loved Reservoir Dogs, and I would say I probably like this one more than Reservoir Dogs now. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I mean, it's it's a good movie. I mean, a uh, lot of different things I feel like you could take away from it. Uh, you know what? What is he? What's he trying to say? You know, you get, and that's the other thing too is like, you know, they have like the old serial westerns and. It's just, you know, you're basically just seeing Tarantino show you things that he loves. Yep. And he's very self-indulgent in it, and he wants you to love them as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're familiar with some of that era and that kind of stuff, like, it's just, it's a classic-looking movie and just done really well. I don't know what else to say. It's just, it was a damn good movie. I, I hope it gets some award buzz. I mean, it probably will because it is him. And it's pretty well received, but it just sucks because it did come out so early. Yeah. Uh, so where does this land on the scale for you? Uh, I would probably give a, a four and three quarters. Wow. So very high praise for once upon yeah, a time. I loved it. Uh, it's hard to talk about without really just spoiling the movie. Yeah. I, yeah. And I still don't know anything about it. So, and, and I've heard a lot of people say that as well, that you, there's not a lot you can say that doesn't spoil things. So. Uh, and it's still a fairly recent release, so I mm-hmm. guess we'll avoid spoilers for the time being since I haven't seen it either. Uh, so up next is what? Peanut Butter Falcon? Would that be the next yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. Comes in at a crisp hour and 33 minutes. Wow. With okay, credits. So it, with credits. So you're probably looking at maybe like, what, an hour and 20 of movie? Yeah, hour 20, maybe 25. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's great. I mean... I, I think we've talked about it. You know, we knew Shia LaBeouf was coming out with a new movie that he wrote, which is about 
essentially his childhood. He wrote it while he was in rehab. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're we're on the verge of, I don't want to say like the reconnaissance thing, but maybe going we can have a retrospective look and kind of go back and appreciate him a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, something I know I've always said it's kind of been brought up on the podcast in the past, which is like, we all thought Shia LaBeouf was a good actor yeah. and uh, maybe not in the right roles, but like, we, I mean, I said with the Transformers movies, like, you watch those movies and it's like, I believe everything that he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just, he's always been very natural to me. And in this movie, especially, I mean, like <laughs> it looks, I mean, he looks like some of my family members in this movie. Right. And, uh, I don't know, man, he, I think he. I know he won't get any award buzz for it. Again, movie kind of came out a little too early, and it is a smaller picture, so I'm sure they won't have the funny behind it. Yeah. But I thought he was phenomenal in this movie. I mean, uh, of like performances, especially in lead actor, like by far my favorite performance I've seen this year is his. Mm-hmm. And I, there's just a, there's a, just a real sweetness to this movie. It's just, it's, it's a cute little. It's adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, even like Dakota Johnson's not terrible in it. <laughs> I just see Thomas Chayton Hurch in a movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's, I don't know, it's just, it's a sweet movie about this guy who uh, has Down syndrome and he is 21, 22. He legally has to have a guardian. He was abandoned by his guardians. It makes it kind of sound like it wasn't his parents, but maybe adoptive parents that abandoned him. Yeah. The state can't really put him anywhere as far as like uh, peers and that kind of place. There's not everywhere is full. Yeah. So they kind of have to put him in a nursing home because it would kind of qualify and meet all the basic check marks that they could do. Sure. So it's just he's in this nursing home with, you know, people four times his age. He has nothing in common with them. Mm -hmm. And basically the old people don't think he needs to be there. And so they help him escape and he escapes <laughs> and, and he runs into Shia LaBeouf and Shia LaBeouf is kind of running from the law in his own way. And uh, Shia LaBeouf wants to go to Florida cause that's where he thinks he can be successful at fishing. Yeah. And it just so happens that heading South that direction where he would run into least amount of people is where, uh, saltwater redneck played by Thomas Hayden Church. That's where his wrestling school is, and that's where this kid wants to go. So he's going to help him get to that uh, school, and a friendship ensues. And Dakota Johnson plays like the social worker, counselor person mm. from the nursing home, and she's trying to find him. And that's kind of the movie. And Sounds like a really sweet movie. It's a sweet movie. I mean, I think it has like a 98% or something like that, Rotten Tomatoes, which yes. I know we kind of take that with a grain of salt. But I think the even the actual aggregate score is pretty high. Yeah. But I just I enjoyed it. It was sweet. It was simple. Um, it's kind of like a movie I haven't seen in forever because if it is a smaller movie, they tend to be super cynical these days. But the fact that there was just this cute little movie that came out, um, and it was just I loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, I would I give it I give it five out of five with an enormous asterisk. Because I have one enormous issue with it, but it mm-hmm. to me it it built up so much goodwill that it's not gonna bother me because I feel like if you just cut the movie literally forty five seconds shorter, and I, it might have been the case that there maybe the original cut was shorter, but when they probably screened it, they were told to uh, lengthen it, add yeah. add a little bit at the end. Um, but other literally all the way up until if it would have just ended with the cupcake, it would have been a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. John Barenthal's um, in it as well. Yeah, he's Shia LaBeouf's uh, brother. Hmm. Yeah, it's Bruce uh, Dern. Yeah, Bruce Dern's the old man who's the engineer that helps the kid escape. Ah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know Bruce Dern's also once upon a time in Hollywood too. Uh, yeah, uh, but no. There's... Due to the wrestling tie-in, there's a couple of wrestlers in the movie. Yeah, Mick Foley's in it. I didn't recognize him at first until he did a close-up. And I, I mean, God, there was only like three other people in the movie theater besides the two that went with me. 
and I about lost my shit because I was like, "Holy fuck, it's Cactus Jack!" <laughs> yeah, uh, Jake, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts was in it as well. Yeah, he's in it. Yeah, it was uh, it was cool. I I don't know. The, I loved it. <laughs> by the way, uh, aggregate is like a seven point six out of ten, so that's oh. really good. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a majority, like it's ninety five percent on the tomato meter, but like it's, it's funny. Can you check Joker because it's uh, I think it's a similar score. I mean, the score is different, but the rating is similar. The score for what? For Joker, I want to say it's in the sevens, but it's a, like a seventy five percent, right? Yeah, Joker is like seventy six percent with uh, yep, that's an exact average rating. 7.6 out of 10, so uh, the critics who loved it loved it a lot, and the critics who didn't like it uh, weren't overly negative about it. So, yeah, so that's why I was, yeah. Uh, that's, why, that's why everybody has to take a look. I will, I will <laughs> keep saying this until the day I die or until people figure it out. When you look at Rotten Tomatoes, please look at the average aggregate score instead of the the, please look at the average score instead of just the aggregate. Like the aggregate can be like, oh shit, a lot of people like this. But please look at the average score to get like a general idea. I but how much do they like? I know? yeah, I lost my mind with people complaining about Captain Marvel versus Alita Battle Angel because Captain Marvel got a slightly more like Captain Marvel was in the positive tomato meter range. It got over sixty or whatever. And Alita was under 60, so it got the splatty tomato. But the average scores were, like, Captain Marvel had a, like, a .3 or .4, like, point higher average rating. Like, critics basically liked the same. There were just a few that, you know, rated Captain Marvel more highly. So please, for my own sanity, uh, look at those average scores before complaining on the internet about Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, anyway, uh, after, uh, Peanut Butter Falcon is, uh, Hustlers, right? Yep. Okay, tell, tell me about this, because you were telling me off-air that, like, J-Lo was incredible, and, yeah, I need to hear more about this, because it's just, it, it's foreign to my ears. Like, I, she's, like, a good performer, but, like, I've seen movies that she's in. She's, you know, not that good. I mean, she's not awful, but, yeah. you know. Not that kind of praise. So uh, he's a superstar. Yeah. She's not not like a great actor. I'm not even going to say a movie star. Like she's just a superstar. Mm-hmm. And but no, I mean that's what this movie needed. It needed her character needed to be a superstar. You wanted to be her. You wanted to be with her. Mm-hmm. Um, you wanted anything that she could have, and she played it perfectly. I mean, she definitely has a little crying moments that could tug your heartstrings mm-hmm. but she's just badass in this movie mm-hmm. and i remember whenever the reviews were coming out of i think it was tiff maybe it was venice one of the two yeah all the film festival stuff is coming out yep and they all like almost every critic said j-lo is amazing in this might not get an oscar nomination because it's too early and the fact of what character she is playing yeah she plays a and the fact, yeah. and and it is a little glamorized but I mean, I feel like there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. I know there's some backlash from it because uh, apparently strippers don't like it, and uh, uh, that's fine. Uh, I kind of think they're missing the point of it. it the, the movie goes out of their way to say that strippers are good people and not all strippers are criminals. Yes. <laughs> I think so, that's like, obvious they, on its face, they but make okay. that point yeah. <laughs> several times in the movie. Uh, I mean, the best part of the movie is the first half before the quote-unquote crimes happen. Yeah. Uh, because it just kind of shows you some of the inner workings, how things are played. Like, it's just, it's cool. It's kind of like Ocean's Eleven mm-hmm. and without them, like, trying to play in a heist. But, you know, like, Ocean's Eleven's like, oh, this guy does this, and we got to have this guy here. Yep. And, you know, the, it's all kind of like that. So you're seeing how things work within the system. And that's that, to me, was the most fun stuff. Once they kind of get to the crime towards the latter half, you know, what the movie's actually about, like, it's to me the least interesting stuff because uh, it's, for me, it's hard not to be the person who's like, uh, screw these guys outside of, like, one guy who really just got screwed over for no reason. Uh, but, you know, F those other guys, I really don't care that they got drugged up and had all their money stolen because they literally tanked the economy. So mm-hmm. screw them. Uh, <laughs> 
which is what JLo's uh, yes is. So it's kind of <laughs> that. But no, like Constant Wu is really good in it. Um, even Cardi B, she's only in like three scenes, but you can definitely tell. You know, I know she was a stripper before, kind of hidden fame as being a recording artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, again, they use her really well. You know, her character is more of like kind of setting the stage. You know, there's like a scene where they're trying to teach the new girl how to like do really good strip poses. And yes, you could say like, Oh, you know, like the first time you see JLo is whenever she's coming out to be like the headline stripper for the night. So yes, it's very sexual. It's very erotic, you know, but that's, I feel like that's a good way to introduce her is like, who is this? I've never, we've never seen this person. She's never been mentioned. Who is this person? Oh my God. She's amazing. But then like the next stuff is like behind the scenes, like, it's a no pun intended, but it's a much more stripped down performance of what you just saw her do, which is, Hey, this is how you do the moves. And it's more of like, Oh wow. You know, there's a real art to this. Wow. These people are in crazy good shape. Like (laughs) the athletic ability that they have to have to to do some of this, like if, you know, kind of, kind of remove some of the sex from it. And the fact that it is directed and written, uh, by a woman is a plus. I kind of said to my friend, like, this could have been a much different movie if it was in the hands of a man, just because I feel like the way the cameras would have been done, I think it would have been more exploitative versus like, so anytime they're on a stripper pole, it's a far off shot. You know, every once yeah. in a while, I'll do a close up, but it's more of it's a close up because it's trying to put you in like the front seat of the stand. And then anytime there's a lap dance, it's all close-ups, you know, handheld stuff. And it's like, oh, you know, it's kind of a, you know, you're you're using the camera depending upon the instance that you're in. That's kind of neat. And so there's just a lot of artistry to it. I mean, whenever I first heard about the movie, I thought it looked interesting. Uh, but I just thought it was really good. It was really solid, good performances. But, yeah, it was – I would recommend people to see it, kind of keep an open mind. I really liked it. Yeah. So on a scale of better than, worse than, or equal to Showgirls, how would you rate Hustlers? <laughs> uh, it's definitely better than. <laughs> uh, maybe. And, you know, the thing in the movies, I don't even think there's really a scene in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what I, I mean. There, it, I guess kind of is, but you don't ever actually see anything, which is kind of the point of what, what that's that particular a, scene is that's about. That's a reverse showgirls, then. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no sex scene to compare it to the pool scene in Showgirls. Uh, <laughs> uh, comical. But, yeah. But, no, I mean, as a score, I'd probably give it, like, four, maybe mm-hmm. four and a quarter. I liked it a lot. It was really good. Uh, last film review for this episode, Hobbs and Shaw. So, <laughs> I... I was wooed by the trailer for this. It looked like fun. I mean, I want to watch it. It's mm-hmm. it's a travesty I haven't seen it yet because I've seen every Fast and Furious movie in theaters. Yeah, so I got a question for you. Uh, because the last Fast and Furious movie I watched, Glenn, was the second Fast and the Furious movie. Too Fast, Too Furious? Yeah, the sequel, the sequel to the first racing movie. Mm-hmm. At what point... Because I remember you telling me, like... Oh, they're just like superhero movies where like the cars are their like the superpowers. Yes, yeah. Uh, this movie is not the case because they make Idris Elba into a superhero. Yeah, I was gonna say watching this movie. Like, I'm ten minutes into this movie, and I'm like, I, I need to know what point they changed from like st- like street racing to to this. Like, when did the change happen? Because this is like so different than most movies that I watched. Uh, probably, I think things got heightened when The Rock showed up in number five. Because the whole thing about five is The Rock is the cop that's chasing them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all pre-Jason Statham. Yeah. Uh, but there is a particular scene where they drag a bank vault down the road in Brazil. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Uh, and for the most part, from what I understood, it, it's, it was pretty practically done. Just, of course, you know, touched up with CGI. Yeah. Uh, but that is kind of when they start doing super. I mean, in the in seven, the rock gets attacked, well, a sneak attack by Jason Statham, mm-hmm. and 
he's in the hospital most of the movie and whenever the fight is brought back to Los Angeles where the rock is the rock tells his daughter daddy's got to go back to work and he flexes his cast off of his arm <laughs> and that's probably the first instance where it really becomes that they're superheroes versus their cars are magical yeah this uh, this movie but, yeah. Hobbs and Shaw makes absolutely no attempt to hide that these are superheroes. Uh, now, Jason Statham isn't... I mean, he's he's more like your your Black Widow or your, your Hawkeye, where he's more of a, a hand-to-hand combat expert. Uh, but The Rock, while not as strong as Idris Elba, because he is literally a superhero, he's, he's mechanically... He's like a cyborg. He's, like, mechanically enhanced in this movie. Uh is shy of that because he is stronger than the rock uh in this movie but shy of that like the rock has what i would deem superhuman strength well doesn't film. he like pull a helicopter in with a chain hooked up to a truck yeah they're basically trying to jason statham's sister is kidnapped by idris elba and they're trying to fly away on a helicopter and this is like at the end of the movie and they've got a a tow truck trying to weigh down the the chopper, uh, but the, the chain gets, like, yanked free of the mechanism to, like, tighten it, and The Rock has to grab it. And basically for about five to ten seconds, The Rock is single-handedly holding this helicopter in place so that he could oh, get the chain it. back onto the... Uh, oh, I love it. So it's, it's ridiculous. Um, there are... So uh, I gave it three and a quarter. Uh, I think this is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really standard action movie stuff in this. Like a lot of it is like very, just like textbook from the standard action movie playbook. And there's a lot of like really bad dialogue that most of the actors in the movie don't make work. Uh, but the rock of course is charming and charismatic and you love him and it doesn't matter what he does. Like, he tends to make almost every line given to him. If it's a good line, he makes it great. If it's a bad line, he makes it good. Uh, he's just multi-talented in this way. Uh, when they're not doing traditional, like, you've seen it in every action movie type things, uh, outside of that, they do some, like, really awesome, cool fight scenes. Really awesome, cool car chase, uh, explosion-y, just, you know bonkers stuff uh the end of the movie features uh like i noted the the rock trying to hold down a helicopter by himself uh but eventually the helicopter uh manages to lift the tow truck onto its wheels so then all of the rocks samoan family members also show up in cars and they have like magical for some reason like it's the rock hasn't been here for years apparently like he's uh, he has some sort of rift between uh, Hobbs does, I should say. Uh, he has some sort of uh, rift in his family, but all of his family have these cars with like hooks on them and shit, so they can all hook together for some reason. I don't know why you would want to do this, but they do this in an effort to try to like weigh down the um, the helicopter. And of course, because this is a Fast and the Furious movie, and I think possibly without having seen all of them, but this is my guess contractually obligated for them to all turn on nitrous at some point. Uh, yes, they yes, do that, yes. uh, I guess is like a callback to their roots. Uh, so they all turn on nitrous and they're able to eventually stop. So the whole idea is that Hobbs and Shaw hate each other. They don't like their oil and vinegar. They don't work well together. Mm-hmm. And of course, Glenn, the only way to defeat Superman and Selba is for them. They realize, Hey, if we actually work together as a team, we can stop this guy uh, because he can sort of like uh, you know that, remember that scene in Captain well, America like Russell intended so yeah well, do you remember that scene in Captain America Civil War where uh, Captain America is beating the shit out of Iron Man and Iron Man like his AI analyzes Cap's fighting pattern and Iron Man's able to like fight back uh, because they they studied like how he fight. so Idris Elba's got some shit like that but it's like built into his eyes. So he can, like, you know, he's fighting these two guys at once, but they realize if they, like, tandem him, 
Like, The Rock will take a punch, but Statham can then hit Idris Elba with an elbow or something. Like, he can't take them both on simultaneously, so if they work together, they can take them, take him down, which eventually they do. Uh, apparently, there's some stuff, like there's some big corporation. I don't know if this is tied into all the other movies. There's some stuff that I do feel like I maybe didn't understand. I'm sure there were probably references made that I didn't get, having not watched any of the other movies. Um, they made references to past events. I, I'm presuming events of the previous films. Um, so I, I don't get all of those, but not entirely integral. They're, they weren't like, you know, needed for the plot. Uh, Roman reigns in the rock, uh, during a fight scene at the end of this movie, just do a bunch of wrestling moves to goons. Uh, just like, just straight up wrestling moves. Uh, so that was fun, but weird. Uh, and there was some stuff that was also really jarring, like the, this big fight scene on, on Samoa at the end, uh, where they're all using hand, like hand to hand weapons and stuff. It starts at night. It looks like it's pitch black outside 10 seconds into this fight. It's dusk and then it's daylight. Uh, so I don't know what they were thinking, but it felt weird. Maybe it was some sort of time cut that, to indicate that these men had been fighting hand to hand for hours, but uh, yeah, that, jump se- cut. that seemed that seemed weird. Uh, by the time this whole fight was over, it was dark again, so I don't know what was going on. Uh, but I will say it was a lot of fun. Uh, this does make me kind of want to go and watch those other movies, because uh, I don't think this was. I've heard a lot of people say that this wasn't as good as some of those other ones. I've heard some of those later Fast and the Furious movies are actually really tremendous. So Yeah, five's, five's a good movie. Uh, yeah. Four's pretty good. Uh, six is okay. Seven's pretty good. And uh, eight is, uh, I mean, Vin Diesel fights a nuclear submarine with a 67 Dodge Challenger. So, I mean, <laughs> and he doesn't lose. So Tremendous. Uh, I don't know... I don't know how you would want to rate that as good or bad, but I, I found it uh, amazing. So, um, Okay, so before we go, uh, I want to chat just a little bit about The Boys on Amazon. Mm-hmm. There's one other thing I want to bring up besides The Boys. Okay. Uh, so this was, to me, a signaling point that Netflix's heyday of uh, like the premium streaming show thingy was kind of in their court for a little bit i think that day is now definitely done uh i mean there's there's a lot of good stuff on hulu and amazon uh amazon specifically i've really enjoyed the marvelous mrs Maisel. i think that's a great show uh but uh the boys was i thought fantastic i'm curious to get your thoughts on it i remember seeing uh a post on facebook that you made that made no sense to me at the time but uh, after I watched the boys, it then came, uh, it, it became clear to me. It was, it was something about, I don't know if it was you or if it was Robbie who was rooting for Homelander. Uh, oh, it was, uh, Robbie was rooting for Homelander because she's evil. Yeah. I was going to um, say, what a monster. No, no, she wasn't. Every time he showed up on the screen, she was like, Oh, I hate him. Oh, I hate him. And I had already watched the show. Yeah. Um, but I got her to watch it. So I've actually watched the whole thing twice. So home, uh, so I was going to say Homelander. So the boys, it's kind of reminiscent of like Watchmen a little bit. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, what if superheroes were assholes or real yeah, people I mean, with real problems? Like, it's kind of like Suicide Squad. Yeah. Except like... Uh, and these people are all, for the most part modeled after DC characters. Yeah. I would say with the exception of Homelander, because I feel like they definitely like tossed in a bit of like Captain America iconography just to make the Superman, you know, America's Boy Scout thingy stand out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, his cape is the goddamn American flag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Remember when you told me to go with the red flag and I said no. Make it the American. Make it the American flag. Uh, but I mean, you know, you've got your Aquaman. You've got, uh, I think, Black Noir is supposed to be the Batman esque yeah. type character. Uses mostly hand to hand and things like that. And he uh, plays piano and drinks 
out of a straw with his mask still on. <laughs> um, you know, he's, he's the best. I just love that scene whenever Homelander is like, and you guys have been dropping the ball, doing this and that, except for you, Black of War. You you're doing fantastic. great. <laughs> you're doing awesome. <laughs> and he's just sitting in the corner. <laughs> we don't, And he's the person you don't know anything about. No, you don't. Uh, but, you know, Noir, it's in the name. He's a mystery. You don't know anything about that yeah. guy. Um, you know, Queen Maeve is the Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, the Deep is your Aquaman. And just as big of a loser as Aquaman was perceived to be for a long time uh, in real life. Uh, I don't I don't know who... Um, I can't... Oh, shit. Why can't I remember the new girl's name? She's like the main... Almost the main character. Oh, Starlight? Starlight. Who is she? Is she supposed to be the outsider doesn't isn't really necessarily representative of anybody in comics i'm sure yeah, the only thing i could think of is like there's star girl and she kind of has like cosmicish powers yeah um but the whole thing is it's stars and stripes because her dad isn't a big ass robot tank thing yeah. and he's and he's stripes so that's the only thing i could think of uh so the the story of the boys and spoilers a little bit uh, is it really centers around Carl Urban's character whose uh, wife worked for the, so all of the superheroes work for a company like a corporation like Microsoft and you know, they have them go out and do superhero stuff. Uh, you know, it's a, a corporate superheroism, I guess. Um, actually a lot. Uh, that, that's kind of the point of the show. There's tons of talk about public relations and, um, you know, it's kind of like if Disney and... could actually just make these superheroes. Yes. Real. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. If Disney could make Iron Man, uh, and Captain Marvel, like real things and they still controlled them though. They, they owned the brand. Uh, yeah. Cause there's a lot of talk about branding and things like that. Uh, but how they don't actually do good. Carl Urban, yes, Carl Urban's wife worked for the the company, and at a at a Christmas party, she gets raped by Homelander, who impregnates her, and then she disappears. And he presumes that she is dead, and he is now on a gr- like a grudge, like a lifelong grudge, not against just Homelander, but all of the superheroes. He just fuck them all, he says. Uh, and getting rung into this is, and you know, it's re- it's crazy. I remember all the superhero names, but I don't remember the the name of the nerdy guy who is the the journey. We go on the journey with him for the most oh, part. Oh, Huey, Huey, yes. You know that's uh, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan's son. No, is it? It yeah, it's huh. weird because once you see it, you cannot you unsee, unsee it. it. Yeah, he looks exactly like his dad, but he has his mom's button nose <laughs> so his it Huey's is um, so strange to me Huey's girlfriend is accidentally killed by uh, the boy's version of the flash like he runs through her uh, yeah and, first, like, but it's the show yes and so he doesn't know what to do at first but then he sort of joins up with Carl Urban's group of you know mercenary ish type people they're sort of working with the CIA, I think, to because um, there's they're kind of like guns for hire. I mean, yeah, yeah. Frenchie's uh, definitely not working for the government directly. Yes, uh, and they're trying to take they're trying to find information to take down superheroes. Uh, eventually, what they uncover is that uh, the superheroes are not born this way. Uh, the company found, discovered some sort of element or chemical or something a drug of some sort that when given to babies at an infant stage eventually they develop superpowers as a result of it and like none of them were born this way they were all turned into superhumans uh yeah. for one reason or another profit i presume because uh, another another aim here is to allow supers into the military to help with uh, so military they can get a conflicts. big old defense contract yes um all about the money and uh, throughout all of this, uh, the uh, uh, like the the end of the day, like the big twist, the big uh, the the big plot twist, the big cliffhanger at the end of the season is that in a in an in a in an attempt to kill Homelander, 
that goes uh, unsuccessful, Carl Urban is shown that uh, his wife uh, is still alive, uh, as is the child of Homelander. Uh, and he almost treats it as, like, Honey, I'm Home, too, which is like a sort of like a weird ending to suggest that they've been living together this whole time as well. Uh, really, really good show, I thought. I don't know. How, how did you feel about it? Like, I'm, I, I wasn't sure what to think about it going in, but I heard so many people talk good about this show. And then when you were talking about uh, that you enjoyed it and asked me if I'd seen it, yeah, I, I jumped in. And, yeah, I think I watched it in, like, two days, maybe. It's just a great show. I, I loved it. What did you think of The Boys? No, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, it is very very different than the comic book okay so based on the comic plot it's definitely like you watch and like oh yeah this is what it would be Mm -hmm. uh like tone's pretty close but the storyline is completely different and Mm -hmm. it makes more sense for a show than you know because sometimes comic books can get a little muddy in the water yep so i don't know how much you want me to like tell you what happens in the comics to what happens in the show because I have no idea what they're going to do, which is nice yeah. because it's it, you, I don't, I have no idea what could happen because the way it, the show ended, um, that never happened in the comic book. Yeah. She died. Like, you know, that story that the doctor tells them. Oh, about, about how like the baby ripped through her. Yeah. 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 That's what happened in the comics. So the, this thing at the end is a huge plot twist to comic readers. Sounds like they might just take it in a completely different direction than where the comics went. Yeah, um, you know, and also, like, uh, um, I can't believe I'm blanking on Carl Urban's name. But he is... He is... A little... Oh, Billy Butcher. Yeah, Butcher, yeah. So he he is kind of like the main antagonist as it goes along mm-hmm. um, because he can't like let go that they're that every superhero is bad, blah, 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 that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so it really turns down to like him and Huey have to like fight each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also like Huey and star girl starlight don't know that who each other are ah. until way, way later. On. Right. Um, so definitely taking the source material, but playing with it differently. Yeah, the only thing that they kind of left open to what happens in the comics, uh, I, I don't. I mean, I know you say you generally don't care about spoilers, but mm-hmm. it does kind of ruin a character. So I'm just interested to see if it, if in fact this does happen this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know like the deep isn't in it very much, so he's definitely built up more. Um, it because it isn't the deep who actually rapes her. It's uh, like all the guys, so like Homelander. I mean, every single male one, even Black Noir. Uh, outside of him, I think. Oh, he never does anything. Of course, uh, he does. He does do. He uh, he is super important, but that's the that's the one I'm leaving out because ah. it like uh, it's like the one thing that they you know I don't know if they're gonna change or not. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why we haven't seen his face. Right. So, okay. yeah. And uh, so it's it's very different, but again, I don't, there's not nearly as much Jesus-y stuff, mm-hmm. which, I mean, if a show is going to be produced by Seth Rogen, he's definitely going to take, take a stab at Christianity. Yeah. So, you know, I, I thought that stuff worked really well. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it drove the, the point home in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously they're making parallels to what a certain voting populace has become uh, the last couple of years. So I I think the show's great. I thought Carl, I think Carl Urban's great. I mean, the guy who plays Homelander is so fucking good. Not Chris Uh, Pine. I could have swore he was Chris Pine for a while, but he's really not Chris Pine. No. Uh, They remind me a lot of each other, though, and their voices sound similar. Yeah, uh, I think that's what was really. Oh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's from like New Zealand as well. Of course, uh, he's <laughs> tremendous in this show, though. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was like, I'm like, it's kind of like Watchmen, but when I think about it, like the character, some of the characters in Watchmen weren't very nice, but 
holy shit, like, Homelander is worse than, like, all of the Watchmen put together. Maybe Sans, uh, Dr. Manhattan or something like that, but holy Christ. Like, the episode where they let the plane crash? Mm-hmm, because like, it'd be bad press. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like, I was like, oh my god, this guy is like... And the fun, they, they really tease you with it, too, as somebody who did not read the comics. Like... Uh, they really tease you with the oh, idea that, that also didn't happen in the comics. Um, at what actually what it actually is is basically a September 11th type attack happens, Oof. and and Lamplighter is the one who fails to stop the other plane from crashing. Uh, so, I, I I think what I really enjoyed about it is as somebody who didn't read the comics, it was a really great teaser because. All of the other supers are kind of like, oh yeah, we're we're all kind of assholes except for Homelander. Uh, you know, he's the oh yeah, even Butchery because he's like asking, he's like, what about Homelander? He's like, he's an angel, whatever, he's untouchable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is funny that Butcher would lie to him. Go one. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder why would Butcher lie to him? Like maybe yeah. it's like, oh, I don't want you to go after him because he's mine. Like yeah, yeah. So maybe I'm something along those lines. Yeah, but it was certainly I mean, my a- favorite. It was certainly Sorry. a great. It was just. I was just thinking. It was certainly a great tease for when he actually does something awful. Because then it's like, holy shit! And then he does, he does something really awful. So it's like, oh, whoa, what? Well, I mean, uh, you see him kill that guy in the first episode. He, yeah, makes that plane break in half. Yeah, I mean, he's he's terrifying because Superman is you know terrifying. It's just that yeah. he's got a kind and gentle disposition. But what if Superman wasn't kind and gentle? Like, you know, it's a terrifying proposition. You know, this, if he wants to, he could, you know, do whatever he, and who's going to stop him? Uh, so it's, it's, it's well, terrifying. Batman does. No. <laughs> yes. With kryptonite, with a, with a kryptonite bullet. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I really like the show. Uh, and all of the characters felt, not relatable, but real. Yeah, they they were fleshed out. Yeah, they were. Oh, they were, do you realize that out? the uh, you realize that Kimiko, who doesn't have a co- doesn't have a name in the comics, she's just called the female. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's the she played. Uh, oh my god, in Suicide Squad, the samurai. Yes. Chick. Who, I can't believe I forgot her name. Yeah, she, I I don't remember her name either, but. Like she just katana, katana katana they're like this is katana she can stab you with her sword and steal your soul so don't let her do that and that was her <laughs> character development yeah. for that movie yeah. uh she was much better in this show than she was in that movie um i mean she doesn't have a ton to do either and she does most of her acting without saying anything yeah uh, her face but like that scene she's... where she's like getting dressed up yeah like, oh, yeah know? she's like, brushing her hair good. mm-hmm uh, yeah, I like this show a, a ton. It was funny when it needed to be. Uh, it had some great dramatic moments. It, it kind of had it all. I really enjoyed it. Like, didn't see it coming. I'd not heard of the comic book before, but yeah, uh, it's excellent. I'm really looking forward to the second season, uh, which I imagine is coming. So uh, that's solid. I know. I know that you hadn't. You said you hadn't seen Glow. Um, and I'll just say this since you haven't seen it yet, but the third season is a bit of a departure from the first two, but I think still really good. And they just announced today that it's being renewed for a fourth and final season. Mm-hmm. So they're going to wrap that show up. But I thought the third season was really good. Uh, what was the, uh, the other thing that you wanted to talk about before we go? Oh, I was going to ask you, like, what was your favorite scene in this show? Cause I, I kind of have mm-hmm. two. I love the final scene of, Basically, Homelander having the evil monologue with uh, Butcher, and then whenever Butcher just tells, he's like, "What? Do you, what's your plan? Like, what are you gonna do?" He's like, "Well, I'm just gonna, you know, uh, I'm just gonna hurt you, you know, hurt you real bad, and uh, that'll be good enough for me." And then just like Homer, like, "You're just gonna blow her up in front of me." <laughs> it's just like, yes, fuck, yeah, That's, you couldn't believe it. He's like, "That's so dark." <laughs> yeah, I kind of like it. Um, you know, and you can tell he's impressed, but my single favorite moment of the whole show is the race. Whenever Billy Butcher's just staring at him. I okay, he, yes. That's that I was gonna say, like, I wanted to bring up the race. Um I mean not only did I did I like all of the stuff kind of surrounding that, but 
Oh, yeah, like the fact that there's pay-per-view for something that lasts, like, not even a second long. Yes. Yeah. Um, but those those stares that they shared with each other. Well, I love it because, like, Homelander is uncomfortable mm-hmm. in that moment. Like, why is this guy looking at me? And it's just like, he's a human. There is nothing that Carl Urban could do to the guy. Mm-hmm. And he does not care. And that's, like... That, yes. Like, that's, that's what I love thing. about it. He's Superman, and he's the other guy is just a dude. But the other dude is staring a fucking hole through Superman. <laughs> like, I am going to kick your ass. Like, he knows deep down inside, somewhere, that he can't actually do it. But he is so filled with hate and a want for revenge that you can't tell. He, he might as well be able to do it, as for all we can tell. By the look on his face, I thought that was tremendous. And that you know that ties into their when they finally meet at the end, and he's like, "Yep, you know, you're." It's like, oh, this is a new one for me. Like, uh, you know, sure, yeah, you know, your heart rate is going and your heart's pounding. It's like, but, but you're usually not scared, someone's, yeah. yeah, someone's usually pissing their pants, but you're not scared. You're just angry. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, he was he was tremendous. Like that that scene was awesome. Also, could, I, I just want to know, like, the mind fuck it would be to get baptized by Superman. <laughs> like, oh my god, yes. I kind of wish they would have made that into a big... Uh, than they did. Because, yeah. I mean, I love the whole thing where he's just like, a video of you and I fucking. And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, so, there's so much. It's a great show. I highly recommend it. Spice Girls monologue, and he realized that yeah. the flashback scene that him and his wife are having, it's her trying to drag him to a Spice this Girls concert. concert. Yeah. Uh, that's a, it's a great show. I, I think I think I can safely say a high recommendation from both of us. Yeah, it's good. It's a yeah, it's a solid show. Totally worth a lot. Totally worth Amazon Prime. And there's some other good stuff on there. Uh, oh, you got the well. series finale of Man in the High Castle this month. Mm-hmm. Which I've, I still have to go back to that show. Glenn keeps telling me it's great. So, uh, or at least I'm glad it's ending. It it I'm it glad need, it's it needs not to con- going on. It needs yeah. to conclude. Uh, I will get to it one day. Uh, I'm sure. Well, we've hit the hour mark, so I guess that's good. How about we wrap it up there? Uh, head on over I, to. I Sin- have I have one thing. I got oh. a, a one thing. Okay. Because because you didn't mention it at all. All right. And. I feel like we're going to have to cover another podcast. Okay. And we knew it was going to get made. We knew it was getting made, but we didn't realize that it was already and being completed when it was announced that they were making it. Mm -hmm. And that's El Camino, a Breaking Bad story. Oh, that's right. Yes. Uh, I mean, and that's airing on Netflix. October 11th, yeah. Okay, we'll get to dust off the. We'll get to dust off the. The Better Talk Saul podcast because yeah now yeah now we know why it's not coming out till fucking February yes <laughs> it feels has it been two years since that show was last on it feels like it, it's been uh I think the season ended in June last year did it okay it feels yeah. like it's been two years but it almost been um yeah we'll okay but so if that be... means we had to wait because we got a Breaking Bad yes. <laughs> Uh, so it will be, it will be, co- yeah, we'll definitely talk about that, but it'll most likely be on uh, Better Talk Saul for sure. So oh, I'm so excited for that. Yeah, I, I completely forgot about it. I mean, it was in my queue. Uh, or And there's it... nothing, I, there's not a single image No, that really shows us anything. It's just like, no, Jesse Pinkman's the main character. And it's like, there's no still of it. There's... It takes place after Breaking Bad, and that's all you need. Yeah, there's no set photos. Like, there's nothing. And I'm like, this is amazing. They made a whole movie, and there's no one knows anything about it. I mean, they had to have filmed it during making Better Call Saul as a disguise. I mean, that's how they had to have gotten away with it. Yeah. And um, nobody knew anything. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, we knew they were making it. And I'm like, oh, cool. I can come out. And then. We had that teaser trailer drop out, and I'm like, oh, wait, what the fuck? Like, I didn't even know they finished it. I didn't even know that they made it. I just knew he was writing it. Yep. Uh, Surprise. So, 
Yeah, and he said, like, you know, it, it, it'll it be helpful to watch Breaking Bad, and it will be helpful to watch Better Call Saul. So, mm. uh, yeah, I'm excited. I wonder if we're going to see Aaron Paul show up in a certain Cinnabon. Ooh, perhaps. Okay. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Uh, all right, so... Uh, before we take off, head on over to cinemageekly.com, check out the archives of the show. Of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn. Uh, just search for Cinema Geekly and hit subscribe. Uh, and that's it for the time being. Uh, for Glenn Beauvais, I'm Anthony Lewis, and uh, we'll talk to you next time with another Cinema Geekly podcast. Cinema Geekly.